0: As you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bible. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll also be in Matthew chapter 5. We'll look at a passage in 1 John chapter 3 as well. I grew up a child of the 80s. Anybody else grew up in the 80s in here? A few, yeah? Uh, A few 80s folks. And so we had our capas and our members-only jackets, and we played on our Atari game systems and floppy disk, couldn't imagine. I mean, we were like, this holds so much information on this <laughs> floppy disk. It is amazing. And and you had, you know, one one of the things in the movies in the 80s is they were like obsessed with time travel. You had Back to the Future, one, two, and then painfully, Back to the Future, three. You had The Terminator, I'll be back. And, and then you had Uh, probably the Mount Everest of movies in the 80s, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where they traveled in time and they met Socrates. That was my favorite part of the movie, you know. Socrates, cool, you know. And in the 80s, we're just obsessed with time travel. Well, I I was listening to this guy speak this week, and he made a statement. He He said that children are time travelers. So being a child of the 80s, that caught my attention. And then he said, they are traveling to the future. His name is Alan Bennett. Children are time travelers. They are traveling into the future. And as a church, we're at a point in the calendar where there's a lot of emphasis on our children's ministry right now. We have kids going to camp tomorrow. We have BBS coming up here in a couple of weeks. We have two big camps coming up down the road, and so there's just a lot of emphasis right now that, that we as a church have on our children. And I, and I should say this, that as a church, we're very, very thankful for the children that we have, and whether they are your own children, or whether they're just kids running up and down the hall, we're in this together. And as a church, we have a responsibility to invest in the lives of those kids, that are part of our community. Because those children that are part of our community, whether they're my kids or whether it's little Carson over here that that belongs to Hannah and and Andrew, you know, we're in this together. And we have to invest in these kids. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 is one of the prime passages in Scripture on how we can make a difference in the lives of those that are coming up behind us in the lives of the young people in our community. The Bible says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, right there was a radical idea within that culture, and that is monotheism, that there is only one God. They lived in a culture in which people worshiped many gods, and whatever you wanted to be God, that was God for you. And sometimes there was a worship of the sun and the moon and the stars and things like that. And Deuteronomy begins with, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it makes an even more radical statement in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The reason why that's radical is because it's relational. That there is only one God, and we are to love that God. Now think about a lot of people's image of God. I believe in something out there. There's a cosmic force that Luke follows. And, you know, this idea that maybe the universe or Mother Nature or there's just something that we could never meet, something that we could never know that's out there. Well, the Scriptures contradict that. The Scriptures say there's one God and you can know that God. And actually that God calls you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then that God reveals Himself to us so that we know His thoughts, His purposes, His ways. He gives us His words, and the Scriptures say, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Take the word of your God and plant it into your heart. And then notice verse 7. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down. And when you get up, make it a part of your family's life where you're talking about the things of God to children. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This passage of Scripture became so prominent in the Hebrew world that in a household in Jesus' day, you would say it in the morning and you would say it in the evening. This was the anchor passage of that biblical society. This past week, I had a a really interesting breakfast. The superintendent of the Wiley ISD called a breakfast meeting in which he brought in the pastors in the community and the principals in the community, all the principals and assistant principals in the Wiley ISD. I mean, I I give him accolades on this. That takes some courage. And he, he brought us all together and said, I want you guys to talk about how the church and how the school can make a positive difference in the lives of the kids in our community pretty cool stuff eh so i'm i'm sitting at a table and i hope you realize how rare that is for our community to be able to do that but i'm sitting at a table with with a couple of principals and and i start asking them okay what are the challenges that you all are facing you're in the trenches You're working with these kids. What are some of the challenges that you all are facing? And I was actually rather shocked at some of the answers that they gave me. The first thing they said was, our kids in our school are starving for male role models. We just need a a male presence on the campus. In fact, we were given a green light as ministers to go to the campus and just care about the kids and the teachers and just to be, to be a, a calming, godly presence on the campus. And the principal told us uh, the kids need to see men who, who love kids and, and are, are godly men because they're starving for that. She said, number two, uh, the kids don't know how to really be a family. They're eating out six days a week. They're so tied up in extracurricular activities that they're never at home. And so the families don't really know how to just be at home and just be a family. Eat dinner around the dinner table, just hang out together and be a family. The third thing that she said was that the kids don't have some of those basic life coping skills. And so she said at the school, We're having to spend a lot of time helping kids deal with things like, how do you handle a loved one dying? Uh, How do you make a wise decision versus an unwise decision? We're having to teach them that uh, this is a consequence for your act, and this is what a consequence looks like, and how do you think forward? And and what the the principals were, were sharing with us is that that actually should be being taught in the home. But that's something that the kids really need to be getting in the home and in the churches. And they're having to spend a lot of time at the school dealing with those things, which actually gets in the way of the subjects like reading, math, and arithmetic. No, that's the same thing, math and arithmetic. Anyway, gets in the way of the subjects. See, my school didn't get to teach it either. gets in the way of the subjects that they really want to teach today's Father's Day, and, and I'm thankful to all the dads in the audience. Let's give the dads an applause that are in the audience. If, if, give your own dad an applause as well. I, I want to challenge the dads, and as always on days like today, I, I'm, I'm very intentional about being inclusive on this because thinking about the future is something that's a responsibility for all of us. And for Stacy and me, having kids was not an easy journey. We prayed for 10 years to have kids. Once the Lord started that, it seems like he just kept on giving us kids. But but we prayed for that. So I went through Father's Day where it's like, well, I can check out on this because I'm not a dad. But I really want to emphasize that whether you're male, female, father, uncle, brother, role model, whoever you might be, we have a responsibility to make a difference in the lives of the future uh, of the future. So, here's four things that you can do to make a difference in the lives of kids. The first is this model a love for God. Going back to our passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, the Bible says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We are to model that God is not just a cosmic force out there, that God is not something that we just do on Sundays. You know, once a week for a couple hours we come and we love God, but we are to model that we love God and demonstrate to the children and to those around us that we know God and, and that we love Him. In First John chapter 3, in verse 1, the Bible says, Look at how great a love the Father has given us That we should be called God's children. That God literally, at our salvation, adopts us into his family so that we are his children and we have a loving relationship with the God that saves us. That he loves us and we love him in return. So how do you teach children to love God? Well, the way you teach children to love God is to model it you demonstrate your own love for God and you model that to them and say, okay, Lash, I, I'm hearing you. I get it. It's just hard for me to wrap my mind around how do I model my love for God? All right, let me make it real practical for you here. How many of you like a certain university of some kind? Do you have any Aggies in the house today? Where are the Aggies? I need to hear a whoop or something. There we go. A little, little, little shy for the Aggies. That's unusual. Do I have any Longhorn fans in the house today? Yeah, okay, we've got some hook'ums back there. Do I have any uh, Sooner fans in the house today? Got a, got a Boomer Sooner back there? 830 service is full of them, Lindsay. There's Sooner fans all over the 830 service. But, okay, so you're a fan of a school, and you love that school. and I mean, you're, you're, you're truly a fan of the school. Let's just pick the Aggies, right? So, you're an Aggie, and that's who you are, and and you love the school, and a child is born into your family. Whether it's your child or whether it's a nephew or something like that, what's the first thing you begin doing? Indoctrinating them, right? While they're at the hospital. You get them a little onesie or something like that, and you dress them in your school colors, and you get them a pacifier with the school colors, and you take them home, and you put in their nursery, you know, the thumbs up. And and you make sure that they know that, that you love the Aggies whenever your son's 12 months old, you're sitting with them on the couch saying, this is our team. We love them. We root them. We root for them. We don't like orange. And you make sure that your kids know that you have a love for the Aggies. And so your child just grows up knowing dad loves the Aggies. That's just who he is. Well, the same thing, the same principles there are how we model our love for Christ. Our kids know from the time that they come home from the hospital that that Dad loves Christ, Dad loves God uh, They know that that Uncle loves God that they realize that that 's a a deep, deep part of your life, and so from early on you 're praying for those children you're you're teaching them to to think biblically you're demonstrating that in your own life you're they they see you reading your bible they they understand that at the core of who you are, you love God and you model that for the children that are in your life. A second thing you can do, teach others to think spiritually. Now, one of the things that the principal said to me was that the kids are struggling to develop the skills that they need to cope with life. And I'm thankful that the Scriptures give us guides for how to live life. And in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6, it says these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart and that we are to repeat them to your children and to talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road. In other words, whenever you're driving down the road in today's society, when you lie down, when you get up. As you're living life together, you talk about the things of the Lord and you help those Kids that you're mentoring learn to think spiritually. Think and, and make their decisions based on the Word of God. Have you ever asked yourself this question? How do you help somebody cope with a challenge in life? Somebody comes to you, Dusty, as a teacher, and they have a problem. Their, their grades are tanking. They're being in rebellion with their parents you're you're trying to help a coworker at work who's going through a financial difficulty going through problems in their marriage uh, maybe somebody ha- has died and you're trying to help them deal with the death of a loved one how do you give wise biblical advice how do you help other people learn to think spiritually well number one pray for them let them know hey, i'm going to be praying for you if you're in a situation where you can pray for them right there You know, one of the things about uh, prayer is it's very disarming. And I find that even people who are not Christians don't mind it whenever you say, you know, I'm a Christian and I would really like to pray for you in this situation. Just pray for God's comfort in your life. Number two, seek out what the Bible has to say. I mean, it's a novel idea. So often whenever we're making decisions and we're seeking out wisdom, we give opinions well, this is what I think, and this is what this person thinks, but have you ever stopped and just asked yourself the question, what does the Bible have to say? And as you begin seeking truth from the Word of God, you begin to help people learn to think spiritually. Now, you say, well, I'm not in an environment where I can really just beat people over the head with the Bible. I understand that. I think back to my high school days, I had Coach Mark, who was my track coach, and we would be dealing with some issue and Coach Mark would say, well, you know, flashlight, in my life, I've always, and then he'd just start spouting off like 10 verses of Scripture. This is how I've always made that decision. And he personalized it, and he didn't beat us up with the Bible, but he was teaching us to think spiritually and to ask the question, well, what does the Bible have to say on this subject? Thirdly, you can encourage them to listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to wise voices, what are those people in your life that are wise, guiding you here? How are they guiding you? Uh, what does the Holy Spirit have to say about the matter? How how does your heart feel that the Lord's teaching you? Fourth, lead them to trust in their God, who loves them. James talks about uh, rejoicing in the in the trials that we face in life. Consider it great joy my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because those trials, they build endurance in our life and that endurance is necessary for us to achieve maturity. And so when you see somebody going through a trial, help them, lead them, guide them towards faith in God, that God is growing them and maturing them. He's building endurance within them and that endurance is going to help them to be a mature individual. A third thing you can do, to really invest in the future, is to be an active and healthy part of your church. Now, this series, I Am a Church Member, is a little bit more mechanical than some of my series, and so I realize sometimes I'm, I'm kind of giving you some lists, but let's keep on going with that theme, why don't we? Uh, I want to talk to you about ten thou shouts of being a healthy, active part of your church. First of all, commit your life to Christ. There's never been that time in your life where you personally made that decision to be a Christian. That's step one, committing your life to Christ. Secondly, commit to a church. Find a local church that you can commit to and say, this is where I'm going to worship, this is where I'm going to grow, this is where I'm going to serve, this is where I believe God has called me to be a part now, there's no perfect churches, and, and you're not perfect either. I mean, we have to go through swampland together, and there's always going to be things that maybe you wish were this way or that way, but commit to a church and say, this is where God has called me to be a part of this congregation. Uh, if you're a member of Murphy Road, I encourage you to, to make that commitment a strong part of your life and to realize this is your church. If If you're visiting Murphy Road, Uh, I encourage you to find a church that you can commit to. We're very partial to this one. (laughs) And so if you want to make that commitment to Murphy Road, I'd love to talk to you more about what that means to be a member of the church. Just find me, call me, text me, Facebook me, whatever. We can begin that dialogue. Uh, You can talk to Paul, talk to the other Paul, uh, and, and just talk to them about what does it mean to be a member of the church. Thirdly, make being here on Sundays a priority in your life. There are so many things to do in this mobile society in which we live. And I've noticed over the last five years that people love Jesus just as much as they ever did, yet it's harder for them to be here regular. And I want to really encourage you to make attending worship a priority in your life. And I know there's times where you need to miss for this reason or that. I understand that. I, there's weeks where I miss as well. Uh, but make that a priority where you say, if we're in town, if we're able, we're, we're going to be at church. And particularly uh, if you have kids in the home, lead the way. Make sure they understand that in your family culture, that, that coming early, worshiping loudly, and being friendly, that that's just part of how your home operates. Uh, fourth, Become a part of a life group. If you don't already have a life group, find you a life group that you can get into where you can develop friendships and you can have 2 a.m. friends and people that will be there and care about you and walk with you through life's journeys. This week we had a death in our church. Clay Hamlet uh, went to be with the Lord on, on Monday night. Clay had been attending here for about six months. His brother Mark is a deacon within our church. And so throughout the course of this week, we walked with the Hamlet family through uh, the loss of, of Clay. And one of the things that I noticed is that Mark is part of the Growing in Christ life group. And that life group rallied around Mark and their family. They made sure that their needs were met, that they were loved on, that they were prayed for. They did everything they could to try to bring comfort and love into that family's life. And I thought to myself as I watched this, this is what it's all about. This is the church being the church. This is us caring for one another and loving one another in a real-life situation. Be part of a life group where you can really develop relationships with others. Number five, thou shalt care about others. We're going to talk about this next week. How do you care for other people? It's a lost art within our society, truly caring for our neighbor. Number six, thou shalt care about what's happening Uh, Pay attention to what's happening. Read the emails, listen to announcements, support events, you know, uh, be there to support BBS. Even if you're not a volunteer, just do whatever you can to support those who are serving there. When the kids go to camp, you say, well, I don't have a kid going to camp. Uh, They're part of our church. Pray for them, encourage them, support them, pay attention to what's happening because that's an important part of our church's life. Number seven, thou shall give generously. If you're a member of Murphy Road, we need you to generously uh, and regularly financially support the congregation. Sometimes people have this idea uh, that there is an outside entity that funds the church. And, and that's not true in Baptist life, at least. Uh, our church is funded by the the members of the church. And so once a week, we pass these little plates and people put offerings in there. And, and that's what funds the ministry of this church. If the people don't give and support the church, then then we'll go under financially. We need our church to support the place Financially, And the monies that you give, uh, they go to help missionaries around the world in our country. Uh, they help support the, the ministers so that we're able to do this full time with our lives. Uh, the monies you give uh, pay for this campus and what happens here on this campus. It goes towards ministry, uh, things like BBS and the different camps and things like that. The monies you give, they support that. And, and so we, we ask you, if you're a part of this church, to give generously and regularly to to the offering. Uh, you say, "Well, I don't do cash or checks anymore." And so when the plate comes by, I don't have anything to put in it. Oh, well, we have electronic giving as well. And Jeffrey Havlock can get you set up on electronic giving and, and and you can you can give that way, but we ask that that you do that generously. Number 8, thou shalt have a good attitude. Nobody likes to go to church with a bunch of whiny babies, okay? Uh, Let's don't be a negative church where it's just a whip to go and everybody's always just criticizing and tearing each other down and nitpicking. I mean, we have to have a positive attitude. Number nine, thou shalt seek opportunities to serve. Think service rather than serve us. You catch the difference? Service sees a need and goes to it. Even if it's, oh, somebody left a piece of trash on the floor. I'll pick it up. Put it in the trash can. Serve us views the church like a country club. Everybody's here to serve me. Serve this. Give of yourself. Get beyond yourself. And look for those opportunities to serve. And number ten, spend time praying for your church and praying for others. How long has it been since you prayed for your church? Since you prayed for other people in your family prayer times? Make it a habit to pray for people in your life and to pray for people outside of your family unit where you're praying for other people. I, as your pastor, appreciate your prayers. People tell me sometimes, Lash, I'm praying for you, and that means the world to me. Some of you are praying that I'll be a better preacher and keep praying because I need all the prayers I can get, but you know, I appreciate it whenever you pray for me and when you pray for others. A fourth thing, we can be salt and light in our community. Looking at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, uh, Jesus was entering into the Sermon on the Mount, and in many ways, this was going to be the definition of what his ministry was all was going to be about. If you've never read Matthew chapters five, six, and seven, I encourage you to spend some time reading those this evening. And Jesus, as he's launching into the Sermon on the Mount, He says these words, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Now, salt in Jesus' day was a very important commodity. Salt was how you preserved food, salt was extremely valuable, it was the preservative of the day. And so Jesus tells his listeners, you guys are the salt of the earth. You are the ones that are going to preserve truth. You guys are the ones that are going to stand for those things which lead others to God. You you have that preserving quality about you. Do not lose your saltiness because when you lose your saltiness, you're, you're only good to be thrown out at that point. Verse 14, he continues the imagery. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all those who are in the house in the same way. In other words, here's the point. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your give good works and give glory not to you, but you might be a conduit so that they see your good works and give glory to your heavenly Father. Let me encourage you. Don't stop being salt and light. The world around you needs you to be different. The world around you needs you to make a difference. The world needs the body of Christ to lovingly be salt and light. Our society is changing at a rapid, rapid pace. We are quickly becoming a genderless society. Some of the things that have been kind of staples in our society over the years are, being, are in the midst of being redefined. Uh, uh, marriage, sexuality, even family is, is being rapidly redefined in our society. As things continue to progress, it's, it's likely that our kids are going to grow up in a much different world than what we live in today. Uh, my Probably about the time my grandchildren uh, hit adulthood, I, I would venture to guess that uh, as gender continues to be minimized, that it'll probably be where you don't have men's and women's restrooms or men's and women's locker rooms. There's actually already been city ordinances proposed in Houston and San Antonio to eliminate those type of things. And so I think you'll see that continuing moving where uh, gender roles will continue to be diminished. Uh, Marriage continues to be redefined. You used to have traditional marriage, and then back in the 60s we started having common law marriage, where if you cohabitated long enough, then eventually you were considered to be uh, legally married, and now you're seeing a big spike in gay marriage and the acceptance there. And, you know, I think it'll probably continue to be redefined and, and it'll keep on going. I, I would venture to guess that eventually the talk will revolve around group marriage and, you know, uh, perhaps even polygamous marriage might, might get into the discussion, or polyantric marriage. I mean, you think just about how the family has changed over the last 50 years. Fifty years ago, we had Leave it to Beaver. Wally and the Beave, And then you had the Waltons. You know, good night, John Boy. And that was, that was the family. And then you had this radical family start coming onto the scenes because they were a blended family. The Brady Bunch. Here's a story of a lovely lady who was bringing... Out. We, won't, we won't sing it right now. okay? And then, then as time went by, you had the Huxtables... And then things started changing a little bit and becoming a little less all-American, if you will. And, and you had Roseanne and Dan, and then you had the, the Simpson family come as kind of a picture of what an American family is. And then the Sopranos, and now today we have Family Guy and Modern Family. And, and you think to yourself, okay, where is this headed? What's it going to look like in 50 years? What's the, the family going to be? And for a lot of Christians, it's, it's, it's really hard to watch as many parts of our society feast on ideas that that we feel like might destroy the heart of the society. So what can you do about it? Well, first of all, realize you can't change everybody else. And getting mad at everybody else is probably not going to do much good either. You know, screaming your head off and forwarding every email that you get and spouting off all the time on on Facebook and various social media outlets, it's probably not going to really change much but I believe that you can make a difference I believe that change is possible that you can influence those around you if you'll be a person who loves God and you'll model that to the others around you so that whenever they see your life whether you're talking specifically about God or not they know that person Loves God. Whenever you're giving advice and trying to help people, help them to think spiritually and to be able to see things not just from their opinion, but to be able to see things through a spiritual light. Be an active, healthy part of your church. Let's make this a fantastic church. Let's make Murphy Road a place where we just have tons of fun, but we're a church and we worship, and we grow, and we serve, and we do the things that a church does. Let's be salt, and let's be light. Let's stand for the Word of God, but do it in a loving way. Let's have the living water flowing through our life, and let's live a life that draws people to the cross rather than pushing them away. Let there be something different about who we are. As we Celebrate Father's Day today, I I just want to give a little testimony about my own father. Uh, My dad grew up in very, very difficult circumstances. He was, first of all, he was very poor. And whenever he was a little boy, uh, he watched his father do some horrific things. His father was an alcoholic, and he watched my mother be thrown, or my grandmother, be thrown through a glass window. And he, my dad, and his older brother would pray that the Lord would make them strong enough to beat up their daddy. Uh, he was the victim of physical abuse himself, and uh, it was just very, very tough for him. My grandfather, in some ways, was actually a polygamist, uh, except for the fact that the families didn't know about each other. He had two separate families going, where you know, two separate women that that, and he had kids and family going with both of them. And then whenever my dad was about in the third grade, he divorced my grandmother. In that day and time in America, divorce was not that common. And so he divorced my grandmother, and he married the other lady. My grandmother eventually remarried, and they became even poorer. And that was the home that my dad grew up in. He had every reason in the world not to be successful, to have his life spin out of control. He didn't have any of the advantages that we long for for our kids. What changed his life was at the age of 13, he went to the Billy Graham Crusade. Billy Graham came to the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas in 1952. And whenever the invitation was sung, just as, my dad walked down the aisle and he gave his life to Christ there in the dugout at the Cotton Bowl. In high school, there were two men that poured their lives into my dad. They were not his biological father, his basketball coach, and his pastor. They became mentors to my father, and they were dads to him. Whenever my dad was 18, he went off to Bible college, and there he met my mother. My mother had an even worse childhood than my dad. They fell in love. They got married. They had no idea how to really have a happy family because they had never seen it modeled. They had every excuse in the world to have their marriage spin out of control and for their kids to grow up in chaos But there was one thing they had in common, and that was their faith in Jesus Christ. And so they got married, and they began building their life on Christ. And they provided for us a foundation for me and my two sisters to grow up in where their marriage was stable, and our home uh, was a home where God was loved, church was priority, we were taught right and wrong, and and we knew that that mom and dad uh, loved each other, and, and they loved us as well. Now, we weren't the Beaver Cleaver family. We had our issues, we had things that weren't perfect, and you can imagine with the childhoods that my parents had, I mean, they had struggles in knowing exactly what to do and what not to do, but they did their very best to model God for us, and they did their very best to to love Christ, and through, through those commitments, some extraordinary things happened. One, my life was changed, my sister's lives were changed, my dad's family was also changed because as he became a Christian, his older brother became a Christian, then their other brothers and sisters started becoming a Christian, my grandfather's life was changed, he eventually gave up the alcoholism, became a Christian himself, and became a pretty good guy by the time it was all said and done. My, my grandmother got back into church. My great-grandmother got baptized. There was a revival that broke out because one 13-year-old little boy decided to become a Christian and actually lived that out. And I can say on Father's Day, uh, I've met a lot of men in my lifetime, and my dad is the most decent man I've ever met. And that is huge to be able to say that about your dad. But it's not for His glory. The reason why He is the man that He is is because of His faith in Christ Jesus. And here's what I believe. I I believe your life can make a difference. I believe that your life can have ripple effects and and you can impact your family and and you can impact your community and you can impact your friendships. And I believe your your, your life can be salt and light. Your life can be different and make a difference. Love God with all of your heart. Honor Him. Serve Him. Stand for that which is right. Invest in the future. Spend your years in a way that impacts eternity. And your life can have lasting effects that go far beyond you. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads, and we come to a time of commitment. Heavenly Father, I pray. I pray that we might love You and that those that see our life up close and personal will know that we love You. Help us, Lord, to learn to think spiritually. Father, there's so many people in this world trying to teach us how to think. May we learn from your Holy Spirit and from your word how to think clearly. Father, sometimes it's confusing. Help us, Lord, to have clarity. I pray, Lord, that in our homes, in our marriages, I pray, Lord, that the kids that call us dad the kids that call us uncle the kids that look up to us they will see godliness and they will see something that's different help us to be those healthy role models and Lord we pray that in our lifetime we will get to see you do some things that only you can do Lord the world is such a massive place so we begin right here And we pray that our church might be different. We pray that our community might be different. Pray for healing in marriages and strength in family. Pray, Lord, that you might use our one and only life to make a difference. I thank you for men like my dad. Thank you for men like his coach. Men like his pastor that invested in the lives of little ones. And I pray, Father, that you might give us those opportunities as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray.